Um, it's been really nice the past couple of days having Sharina back, especially uh, that she's had to apologize to so many people for so many things. And, um, and it's just neat seeing that she's so humble to admit that she is such a um, mean person when she doesn't get her way. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the things that she left out that she had to apologize for was when the luggage was left, she was blaming it on her kids. And all the way to the airport, she was like, it's your fault. It's your fault. And then when they finally get there, they're like, Mom, it was, you were the one in charge of the luggage. And she said, yeah, I'm sorry. So she, she's really good at apologizing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> we, we, are in the last, we are in the last message for The Chosen. How many of you have enjoyed watching The Chosen as a church together? Um, how many of you are in groups and have gained from discussing what's going on in The Chosen? Uh, one of the things that, that has been really good is just to hear what other people are getting from it. And it's just like any relationship. Like, you know, in our family, we all have different roles that we play. And we all rub our parents differently. Um, you know, I'm the beloved one, and everybody has their spot. And it's, it's neat to see how my parents react to every single one of us. And there's a different aspect that we learn from how the relationship is with every single... How many would you, of you would agree that you see different sides of your parents through the relationship that they have with your siblings? How many of you would agree with that? And it's the same way with God, that when we get together in a small group and we talk about what God is doing in our lives, we actually see a different perspective of God and we learn of him more. There's no one person that sees all aspects of God. And so it's so important that we get together and we share what God is doing in our lives. Amen? Um, the Chosen. One of the things that I've just been reflecting, and it was great. Uh, uh, Joyce, she shared uh, uh, the d different prayers that she felt like I was praying. And she hit it right on the, the dot. Like, I, I've been praying that God would work in my heart, that I would love uh, not just my family, but this church in the way that he loves the church and that, he, that I would love the community the way that he loves the community because I don't want to be doing things because I have to or it's a job. Not that I do, but th there's a measure that I want to grow in of God's love because he wants to expand our reach and he wants to expand our influence. Amen? In every single one of your lives, God wants to expand what he's doing. And he's not going to expand it just because you feel like you have to reach out or you have to do something. He's going to begin to expand the work that he does through our lives by giving us a greater love for the people around us. How many of you would do anything for your kids? And, and how many of you, even when your kids make you really mad and really upset, that there's nothing that they could do to, to, to make you love them and reach out to them and help them in whatever they're going through? And in the same way, there's... a when we have the motive of love, there's nothing that can stop the church if the motive that we do everything out of is a love for God and a love for people, the same love that he has for people. Um, I was watching this video this past week, and it was of this, this messianic, he was an um, Orthodox Jew, and he grew up in New York, and he said that he took his honeymoon in Israel because one of his mentors said, you should go to Israel. And he went to Israel, not a believer, not anything. He said that he married a swimsuit model, that they were going to all the places like beaches and dancing and doing everything that they could just to enjoy uh, their trip. And then he said that 
there was a pull in his heart to go to Mount Hebron or the Mount of Transfiguration. So he said he didn't know why. He didn't know why he was being pulled that way. But when he went to this mountain, he said it was as if like there was a, a hook that was cast out of the mountain into his heart and it was pulling him. So he rented a car, took his wife to Mount Hebron. This is just a couple of years ago, I guess. And, um, and when he got to the mountain, he said that he saw a vision. And it's the first time he's ever seen a vision in his life. And he said he saw Jesus and his face was, was white as the sun. And his, uh, his garments were, were white as well. And he, the description that he gave was exactly out of the book of Revelations. And he, he's not... He doesn't read the New Testament. He only reads the Old Testament. And then he said that Jesus said one thing, that he came and, and wrapped his arms around him and said one thing. How many, of you, how many of you know what that one thing is? I love you. Who said that? I love you. How many of you, your life was transformed because of a revelation of the love of God? That's what changes people. And before he even said it, I knew that's what Jesus told him. And he said, Jesus wrapped his arms around me and said, I love you. And, and then he said that, that he started crying. And, and it wasn't cr tears of joy. It wasn't tears of pain. And immediately I was like, I know what, I know what tears those are. How many want to take a guess? He said it was tears of cleansing, that all this baggage that he was holding on to, it was just being washed away. And I was like, that's my exact experience with God. It didn't happen the same way. I didn't go to Mount Hebron, but he changed my life when I had a revelation of his love. And then when I had a revelation of his love, it completely cleansed me. Everything that, I, everything that I've done wrong, everything that I, I get down on myself for, it was like his presence cleansed me from, and there's nothing like it. And he ended his testimony by saying, my life is completely different, not because somebody told me, but because I had an encounter with Yeshua. And I started reading the Bible and saw that everything that Jesus went through was what an Orthodox Jew would go through. And he's not somebody else, he's one of us, and he's talking about Jews. And he said, he is, Yeshua is my Messiah. It was such a powerful video. And I, I watched it and I said, that, that is, we are living in a day where Jesus himself is making himself known to people around the world. And he's, he's, there is an open door. There's an opportunity for every single one of us to know Jesus in a deeper way, to know his love in a deeper way. And not to do things out of religion, but to do things out of relationship. But it's those that hunger and thirst after righteousness that will be filled. It's those that want more of him that will be filled. And there's so much distraction in our lives that can clog our desires, that can distract us from the ultimate purpose of why he's created us. And so we need to be vigilant in protecting ourselves, protecting our attention from being distracted by so many different things around us because his return is soon. Amen? Amen? Amen. Um, this, I'm going to close off this message. It's not going to be a long message, but it's the one thing that I feel God wants his people to understand about him. And while we were watching The Chosen, there was a, a download that I got of the heart that Jesus has 
specifically for people that are different. Specifically for people that are different. And, and the first thing that changed my life was knowing that Jesus loved me. How many would you agree with that? That God changed your life when you understood that he loved you. The second thing, that, and that, that's a relationship. A relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, my Savior, Jesus Christ. But the second thing was not just relationship, but it was purpose and mission. And the, the second thing that changed my life was a revelation that Jesus didn't just love me. He loved the people that I don't like, that are different from me. That was the thing that, that gave me purpose. I remember specifically, I was driving behind these guys on my way to surf Kiwalo's Basin. And they were in a Jeep, they were blasting their music, and they were like screaming and yelling and acting all stupid. And I'm behind them and I, I, I just wanna surf. Like these clowns are in front of me, these guys are so dumb. And I'm just like cursing them in my mind like, will you hurry up, Sh sit down, shut up, and just drive. You know, like I'm getting all mad. And then I'm sitting next to my friend, and I, the voice of God was so clear, and he's like, I like those guys. And I, I looked at the person sitting next to me, and I'm like, God likes those guys. And he, he's like, what? <laughs> like, it was so out of pocket. It was so, like, weird, like, strange that I would say that out of nowhere, that he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, God just told me that he likes those guys. And then that, I remember it just stuck out. And every time that I get irritated with somebody, there's like that echo of that voice. Like, I like those guys. I, li I like them. And, and even the people that I'm deeply offended with, people that I'm deeply upset with, I remember one time I got in this huge fight with my wife. And I got super mad this the first year that we were married. And I jumped in the car and I just like sped off and I'm all like irritated and upset. And then I... I I, I knew that was going to make her upset, that I was mad, because I never get mad. And then I came home, and, and she, she knew I was mad, and I, I knew how it was affecting her. And then God spoke to me real clearly and said, that's my daughter. It's <laughs> like, oh. I always thought I was his son. I never thought she was his daughter. And then it was like, oh, like, I'm in dangerous territory. It made me feel scared. Like, when he said that, it was, like, with this serious, like, don't, you're on thin ice. You know, that, that was kind of, like, the, the feeling I got. And it just, like, sobered me up. And it was, like, okay, I got to treat her. Like, I, I'm not just God's son. She's God's daughter. And then, and it takes revelation to begin to treat other people the way that God wants them to be treated. And so in this, in this chosen, um, this is what Jesus says. He says, Matthew 5, 13, let's read it together. Um, you know what? Let's play the video. Can we play the video first, and then we'll, we'll jump into the scripture and pray. What does you are the salt of the earth even mean? I'm not good at metaphors. Salt preserves meat from corruption. It slows its decay. I want my followers to be a people who hold back the evil of the world. Salt also enhances the flavor of things. I want my followers to renew the world and be part of its redemption. Salt can also be mixed with honey and rubbed on the skin for maladies. I want my people to participate in the healing of the world, not its destruction. 
Then why not just say that? <laughs> Come on, Matthew. Allow me a little poetry, huh? Not everyone is like you. Some people like a little flavor. Read the songs of David or, or Solomon. I'm not going nearly as far with metaphor as Solomon. I'm reading him next. Well, good luck. He's probably... <laughs> yeah. I told you. These things will make sense to some, but not to others. I don't want passive followers. Those who are truly committed will peer deeply into it, looking for truth. But I do agree with you. We shouldn't begin with salt. You make a valid point. Good work. Isn't that good? It's good stuff. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that you would speak to us through it, change our hearts and lives as you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So he didn't begin in the Beatitudes with, uh, or the Sermon on the Mount with, you are salt. Instead, he started with the Beatitudes, and it gave the code of conduct that he wanted his disciples to follow that would in turn change the world. And so I, w- I just want to read that this morning. This comes from Matthew 5. It's not in your notes. Matthew 5, verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Everyone say poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Are you a peacemaker this morning? There's people that are far from God, that hold different ideologies, that are different from us. Are we making peace or are we making war with those? Blessed are peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This was a code of conduct that God gave all of his disciples, and that code of conduct has changed the world. We might look, this past week was, or past month, I guess, is Pride Month, and people are having pride not just in their race or their identity, that's fine, but they're having pride in sin, having pride in doing things that are directly contrary to what the Bible says. And, and yes, we are to love everyone and, and show the love of God to everyone, especially because there is consequences for walking contrary to what God has laid out in Scripture. He's made us in his image, in his likeness. He's made all of us. And all sin is, is walking contrary to the image of God that he's created us for. The thing is that the closer that we get to the end, it says that the world will get darker and darker and the righteous will become more and more righteous. How do we then, as things are getting worse in our world and righteousness is increasing and wickedness is increasing, how do we make a bridge the same way that Jesus did The only way that we can is through love. The only way that we can is not our love, because you don't have it, I don't have it. The only way that we can bridge that is through his love. It's a self-sacrificial love. Jesus came in that while we were sinners. Christ 
died for us. And it was that love that was revealed on the cross that changed humanity. And he called every single one of his followers to follow in the same footsteps. I, I, I was looking. I, I needed encouragement this past week. And I went through history, and I thought, there's so many different times, because we can get stuck in, in our moment in history. But if you look back, there's so many times where evil began to prevail, and it looked hopeless, but that good overcame evil. Um, and and it, it happened through the Beatitudes, through the meek, through forgiveness, through, through peace. Um, the American Civil War was one time that our, our nation was uh, destroyed because of slavery and working against slavery. In the mid-19th century, the U.S. was deeply divided over the issue of slavery, and it eventually led to a long and brutal war and claimed hundreds of thousands of lives. There's more people, more Americans that died in that war than any other war in history. However, through the Union victory, slavery was abolished and paved the way for the civil rights movement. The Indian independence movement, when the British Empire was, uh, had India, and when I was young, I remember watching the movie, but India suffered from decades of political and economic oppression. However, through the leadership of Gandhi and other activists, peaceful protest and civil disobedience finally gained independence from the British rule in 1947. We can go on and on about the Cultural Revolution in China, about the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, the, the fall of the Soviet Union, um, all of these things, Arab, Arab Spring in ten, uh, 2010. Uh, some of these came through revolutions, but a vast majority of them came through peaceful protests. And freedom was won through people practicing what Jesus preached on the Sermon of the Mount. And if you look at a macro view of history, humanity is much more free now than it was 1,000 years ago or even 2,000 years ago when Christ was here. God is doing something on the earth, and he's doing it through his followers. And even though we might look at the current situation and feel like darkness is coming into our country, God has a plan that's far bigger than just America or far bigger than just the next the, the next election or the next couple years, he has a plan that he's forming something in his people that's going to bring his kingdom to this earth. And we can't be just focused on the next couple years or, the, or even just America. God is going to bring a kingdom that is permanent, and he's going to do it through his people. He started by preaching this to his disciples. And from a following of 122,000 years ago, there are now more than 2 billion people across the face of the world now that follow Christ and call Christ their Lord and Savior. This, what, what his plan was in introducing heaven to earth is a plan that is working. Can you tell your neighbor that? His plan is working. T tell your neighbor, be encouraged. You're on the right side. You are on the right side of history. Um, salt, and, and I want to encourage you this morning that salt is preserving to what it's mixed with. You might feel like the minority, but because of your presence and your faith in serving Christ and living the way that, that you have been called to live, you don't have to convince everybody else to live the way that you're living, but your presence as a righteous person in our culture makes a difference. It's preserving to our culture. Uh, let's read 1 Corinthians seven fourteen at the count of three. One, two, three. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. I don't understand everything about it. I don't understand everything about it, but your faith 
sanctifies the people around you and sanctifies your family. There might be others in your family that are walking completely opposite to what you believe. But if you dial in and you are committed to Christ, there is an impact that it will have on your, your, your wife, your husbands, and your kids. There's a preserving factor to it. Um, that, that word sanctified in the Greek, hagi uh, adzo, um, it means to make holy, to purify, or to consecrate. So when you do what's, what you're supposed to do, there is an impact that's made. Number two, salt makes a big difference with very little. That's what makes you valuable. That's what makes the believer valuable. It's not because you're the same as everybody else, but it's because you're different. And when you're different, even though there's a minority, even though there's a small amount of salt, it makes a big difference. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of righteous people to make a large difference. Not only is salt preserving, but it's, it is concentrated in its impact in the eyes of the Lord. In Genesis 18.32, God was going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and Moses was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. And Moses said this, he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose there's only ten righteous that are found here. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten for just the sake of 10, your presence in culture makes a difference. Your decision to follow Christ makes a difference. You're valuable. Even though you're a minority, you are valuable. And the last thing, salt is desirable because it is different. And this is a huge thing that, that, that impacted me when I was reading it. Because I always thought that difference was like, I'm i got to clarify my difference and, and be at war with you. How many have felt that? That I'm different from the world and people are going to hate me and I'm going to hate them and it's war. You know, there, there's, a, there's a truth to that. There's a, a truth to that. But read this. How, how many of you, when you eat something, you like it salty? For whatever reason, I really like salty stuff, and it's not good for my heart. But my wife, when she cooks, she finds it insulting if I add salt to the food. But I always like it more salt. Even if she puts a lot of salt, I always got to have a little bit more. So she's learned that, and she's learned to like not put salt and just let me control how much salt I put in the food. Because when she's not looking, and I don't want to insult her, or I don't want to get in trouble. Everybody will be sitting at the table. I'll bring my food back to the kitchen, and then I'll add my salt without her. Without her, and she's not here in church, so she's on Oahu visiting her mom. So she doesn't. So I'm telling you a secret. Um, but salt is desirable. Everyone say desirable. And why is salt desirable? Is it because it makes the food taste the same? No, it's because it's different. It's the difference in taste that makes salt desirable. And for you and me, the thing that gives us value is not that we're scarce, or not, not just that we're scarce and that there's a limited supply of us, but it's that we are different. We're different from the world. And it's that difference that gives us value, but also makes your opinion 
and the way that you live your life very desirable to those who don't understand it. Um, salt makes a big difference with very, li- um, so, I'm sorry, salt is desirable because it's different. Walk in wisdom, and this is what Colossians says. Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom. Let's read this together. One, two, three. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. So we need to be graceful, but in our grace, we're not excusing people. In our grace, we're not agreeing with people. In our grace, we're not saying you can do whatever you want and we do whatever we want and that's how we're going to live in a perfect harmony. It says that we need to be grace, but seasoned with what? Salt. That we are different. When Jesus addressed the Samaritan woman and she said, we say that we're supposed to worship here. You say that we're supposed to worship there. Where is it that we're supposed to worship? There was two conflicting opinions, and he didn't say, oh, you do what you do, we do what we do, and then we'll get along. He seasoned his conversation with her with salt. How did he do that? He said, it's not here, it's not there, but there's a group of people that will worship me in spirit and in truth. A lot of times the truth that's seasoned with salt is much different than what they perceive it is or what you perceive it is. Because God's way is not our way. A lot of times we think that our way is God's way. And it takes talking to God to hear his way. And a lot of times it surprises us when we talk to other people that have a completely different view from our own. Um, you are the salt. Let's, let's read this together. One, two, three. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot of men. Matthew 5.13. God's called us as salt. And when he calls us salt, we're valuable. Everyone say valuable. We're different. Everyone say different. And our difference makes us desirable. Everyone say desirable. This is what God's people have been called to do. And the one thing I believe that drives us is love. Um, I just want to close with worship because I feel like God's been talking to me. I've been wanting clarity over, you know, what is our role as a church? What is our role as God's people? And the thing that he's been talking to me about, can you turn yeah. more, more and more is, that the only thing that's going to make a difference is our connection with God and our love, our love for him. I'm just going to close with this. Um, Jesus loved the Samaritans. And the Samaritans, we, we talked in a, a past message. I'm not going to go over everything that we talked about. But in a past message... I talked about how the Samaritans were different from the Jews in many different ways. They're different politically. They stole land from the Jews. They stole the wells that Jacob created. They, they stole their history. They said, Jacob's our father. They stole their religion. They were completely different in so many different ways. But Jesus loved them. 
and he loved them in a way that was, he wanted to bring them to himself, but at the same time, he knew that in their future, there was judgment that awaits. And we went to Israel, and we went to Samaria, and there's currently only 600 Samaritans that currently exist in the world. 600. And judgment came to that city, but it came at a time of the choosing of God, not of the Jews. And there is a judgment that's coming. There is a judgment that's coming when Jesus comes back, and he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And we have to realize that judgment doesn't belong to us, and judgment is not for now. That there is a coming a time that, and if we love, that we're going to do everything that we can to save the people that God loves. Amen. Can we all stand and we're going to, and God, most of all, we pray that you would reveal your love for us and for others around us and cause us to be a part of your army. Lord, that we would live those beatitudes, that we would be a part of those that had your code of conduct for many, many thousands of years and have seen two billion people come to know you. Lord, we belong to something that's so much greater Lord, than what we see with our eyes, you've called us to the kingdom for such a time as this to reveal your love. And Lord, we pray that we would be able to walk the balance of grace and truth, that we would be different, that our speech would be seasoned with grace, but that it would also be seasoned with salt, that, that you would use us, Lord, to share your love in a way that people can receive it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said... God, that every single one of us are temples of your Holy Spirit, that you've chosen every single one of us to bear your presence, to bring your presence into our communities. And God, we surrender to you the same way that you died. And as you were on the cross, you said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, that heart that you have for those who abused you and killed you and unjustly put you on a cross, mocked you, and yet you still said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, we pray that we would be imago Dei, that we would be a reflection of that grace and that truth to this world. God, it's going to take that kind of love, that kind of sacrificial love to overcome the wickedness of our culture. Help us to walk in wisdom that we would speak with truth and seasoned with salt. In Jesus' wonderful name, and all God's people said, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Thank him for who he is. If you want prayer this morning, um, the pastors will be up front to pray for whoever has a prayer need, a prayer request. Um, I want to, shucks. I want to read a benediction to you this morning from Matthew 5, the, the text that we covered this morning. So if you want to receive, if you want to raise your hands in an act to receive, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be salted? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brother, o- your brother only, what do you more than the o- others? Do not even the tax collector do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. God is good all the time. Have a great week. God bless you.